If you don't already know it, we are uh, in a series titled Made to Worship. Would you say that with me? Made to Worship. Oh, you can do better than that. Say Made to Worship. There you go. That's my people. And, um, and, and it's just been magnificent. Last week's teaching was just... And so I was Yadon. I was Tadon today. And where I was going, I was bringing all them Hebrew words. If you missed, if you missed that, go back and um, watch that teaching. It was just phenomenal. Just, and it's been our prayer... And as we fasted and prayed over these last few weeks, um, that we really would become a, a people who know our God. And um, it is always my passion uh, for you, um, is that you'll just know your God. That you don't just go to church and you'll hear services, uh, sermons and, and sing songs, but you know God. And, and worship is, is that vehicle, uh, one of the key vehicles of engaging with your God. And so, um, you know, it was really important to us then today that we actually kind of get into some practical pieces and I didn't think we could do that any better than to actually sit down with our worship pastor the pastor who leads us in worship is like so can uh, can we have a warm round to the stage applause to the stage for Mr. Lance Byler in the house let's go come on give it up let's go bro let's go you kind of psyched me out there with you. you were going to go that way, and then you came back this way. That was pretty fun. Uh, now, Lance, you... Um, There's not actually water in these, just FYI. Oh, that's cool. Just well, you can you pour know. yours in there, I guess. Hey, tell right everybody, there. how did you get started as a worship pastor? How did that come about? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, having me up here, Pastor. I'm honored to be here and honored to... Um, uh, to lead worship in this house. Um, I, we, we just so believe as a team in the, in the uh, mission of Hill City and, um, and in y'all. And so thank you, for, thank you for going with us on Sunday mornings. Um, yeah, come on, give yourselves a hand, yeah. Um, I grew up in church, and so um, <clears throat> grew up uh, going to church, uh, going to uh, uh, worship services, going to Sunday morning service the whole nine. And, uh, and so... Well, let me just pause for a second. So this guy is a miracle in the making. His family are Amish. His grandparents, great-grandparents, they're Amish. He's from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And so um, just the fact that you can even lead worship for a multiracial church yeah. is a miracle. You are a miracle happen, just so you know. I can know. churn some mean butter, too. Yeah, and build it. <laughs> and the way you... Build you a shelf the way, all and day. The, and the way you helped me raise my barn was really cool. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're you're kind of second generation. Yeah, um, Christian. Your mom and dad left yeah. left kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my parents my parents left the Amish church when they, well my grandparents left the Amish church when my parents were really young. So we grew up in a church very similar to this, um, charismatic, filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, but and, all white people. But yeah, yeah. I mean, middle of Lancaster County, that's, that's that's middle that's, of a cornfield. You yeah. know, so black folks and white folks smart enough not to move there. I yeah. Guess. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so, so again, just grew up in church, um, grew up in that environment, and, um, and then, uh, you know, uh, I started to get an interest in music, and so the natural progression of being interested in music when you grow up in church is you join the worship team, and so uh, I'll never forget the first time I uh, ever played on a worship team, um, 
I had been playing for maybe six months, seven months, and the youth worship team, they had asked me, because they, they recognized that I really love music, and so they say, hey, do you want to be involved in the worship team? And so they brought me up um, and, and brought me on stage, but uh, they said, listen, we just want you to get used to being on stage, so we're not going to plug in your guitar. <laughs> we're just going to have you sit on stage and play along with us. So I didn't sing. I wasn't plugged into the thing. I was just kind of there, and man, I'm surprised I didn't break a string with as loud as I'm strumming the guitar. I'm like, you're going to hear me play my guitar. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the natural, I just, I just kept working on my craft, kept working on um, growing as a musician and growing in worship, just really privileged to be around um, a lot of strong worship leaders and folks who really um, value the presence of God and, and, and using music as a vehicle to, to usher in his presence. And so the natural progression as all the older uh, youth group members started to graduate was I inherited the worship leader position. And so that was my, really my first foray. And ever since just, um, you went to Bible school yep, for it. Yeah. I came to see if and I here in, in Dallas, which is what brought me to Dallas. Um, and, um, and yeah, just ever, just sort of just been a worshiper ever since. Yeah. And you, and you have been, I mean, since, since childhood and you actually have a favorite uh, scripture, which I feel like should be our key scripture. It's Psalms 145, 1 through 2. You want to quote that or read that? Yeah, Yeah, it says this, Psalm 145, 1 through 2. It says this, I will exalt you, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. It's real simple. It's real straightforward. Um, Worship is not, um, (laughs) it's not, uh, just me time. It's not uh, nice music time. It's not uh, uh, get up and do a special number time. All of those things are good. Worship is focused first and foremost on him, glorifying him, lifting his name up first and foremost, regardless of how I feel. And that's difficult because I'm an emotional person. And so I fight through feelings a lot. But um, yeah, just I love that verse because it lays that out. that your, your kind of life scripture has to do with I will worship him every day. Mm. So this isn't a job for you. This is who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's and I think that was why it was so precious to have you join our team and really lead us is that it was never like you wanting to be a professional musician and, and, and wow everybody. It was like, I will worship God every day, whether I'm the worship leader at a church or whether I'm doing that in the midst of business. And that's always who you've been. And I think that's why... Uh, Miss Jamie and I and the team were so attracted, like, this guy's our guy. Like, we're going to do life together. And then, of course, you married our missions director, and yeah. she's a much better leader than you. Woo. And put that out there. And, and me and everybody else. Yeah, so phenomenal. Yeah, I, I want you to speak to this uh, personal worship piece. Um, like, how do you worship daily? Like, this practical, like, we, we, we learned some doctrinal theology of worship by you going through the Hebrew words last week. But... Give us some practical, like, daily engagement, yeah. you know, some thoughts. And I know we, we've really processed this together, so we've got some treat for everybody. Well, I'll say this, um, especially if, you, if we only in, interact on a Sunday morning, you only see me up here on Sunday morning. I think the thought process is, well, he just floats on the glory cloud to his house and, like, just this just harps playing around his entire house and just peaceful worship all day. That is not the case. I live a real life. This woman on the front row will tell you that is not always the case. And I say that because um, choosing to engage is that. It is a choice. 
There are moments where it's difficult. There are moments where I'm like, I don't want to worship today. I want to turn on a movie and lay on my couch and tell my kids to go in their room because I don't want to deal with them and like turn my brain off. And so um, I, I sort of I sort of parallel it to you know if you um, if you are into fitness if you are into uh, you know you go to the gym every single day. Man, there are days where you get up and you say, I do not want to go to the gym today. And it doesn't matter how great your workout was yesterday or the week before. I've said that for two years. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I've got a gym membership. I just... I, um, I have been paying for two years yeah. to a gym I do not go to. It doesn't work just to get the membership. You got to go. And that's, I, and that's the point. <laughs> that's, that's the point. Man, there are moments where it's like, okay, I have to engage and I know the fruit of making this difficult decision is going to yield uh, that connection with God. And so, so, it is so a, that's, it's, a, it's a choice. It's an act of yes, our will. Absolutely. Even though we don't feel it or absolutely. sense it. That, and, I, and I would agree with that. Um, um, you even said how, how wise it is for everyone to carve out some time. Yeah. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you make time for what you prioritize, for what's important. And so, man, I, I just... Um, I talk to so many people who have a 30 to 45 minute commute to work um, on, 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 a, on a, a, you know, five Every days day. a week. Yeah. And this is a perfect time. Throw in a worship set, uh, engage, don't close your eyes in worship. The Lord can still be there. Your eyes can be open because you need to operate a motor vehicle. <laughs> a lady passed me the other day on 67 and she had both hands up, oh, praising Jesus. God. And so I looked at her, I threw my hands up. She said, oh, you got it. I'm like, I got it too. Let's go. Let's work. And then we both swerving around things we we're about to hit. It was Amen. awesome. Amen. That was a good experience. Yeah, but finding these times and being intentional um, is, is really important. Yeah, I really think that's critical that, that you don't just say, hey, I, when I feel God, I'm going to worship. I think it's like just like a date night, you know, you, you, the reason why people teach you to have a date night in your marriage is because if you don't schedule it, then you'll just constantly be putting it off because, well, we don't feel it, or we got this involved, or we have this that we have to do, and, and there's always something to interrupt it. Yeah. So I really, I love that piece from, from you that, like, we should always be carving out time. And I would expand on that. Um, for some of you, this is going to be so far out of your comfort zone, but I would really challenge you to create some family worship time. And so for years, my family, we would sit down either on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning when Hill City uh, was meeting on Sunday nights, and we would just sit in the living room and we'd just do family worship. And it was difficult because, you know, at the time, I think uh, one of my children were probably 13, 14, the other one was 12, and then the other one was like four. And so, and I would let them kind of pick out a song list and we'd play it, and it is awkward, and it was not... Like, you weren't feeling it, like, you know, I, and, and, but I would just make a sacrifice of praise, the Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise, and I would just throw up my hands, and I'd start dancing around the living room, and my kids to this day say, Dad, that's when we really knew how much you love the Lord, because there was no feeling to it, there was no inspiration, it was just raw, I'm here, God, my family's here, it was an act, a sacrifice of praise, it was an act of worship, and so if your children are still younger, it's a great time to start. Um, you know, like I'm thinking, some of you think, I got teenagers, us having a worship moment in our living room is going to be like, oh, dad, why are we doing this? But I promise you, even if you started with 15, 20 minutes, it would bond your family in a way that nothing else will. Yeah. We would then get them to lay hands on each other and on uh, me and mom, and, uh, and then we would lay hands on them, and the worship songs are going, we'd lay hands and bless them. It is probably, in my mind, the piece that's solidified 
and concreted their relationship with the Lord in those moments, especially moments like, you know, they're getting bombarded at school with, you know, transgenderism and homosexuality, and they don't know, and they love their friends who are struggling with this. Why is that wrong? I mean, it was just this engagement with God. I would highly suggest that you consider sometime once a week, once a month, whatever you can get to, where you do like a family worship. And then when we talk about worship and worship music and sets, um, it's real important, I know, for you, um, you've always taught us, find music that speaks to you. We're a multiracial, multigenerational worship. So some of you, uh, worship for you, you would just really engage God if we were singing hymns all day long. That's like the place where you got saved. It was the place where God met you. I know some of that's for me. Um, um, and so modern worship doesn't really have the same, you know, passionate stir for you. So I would suggest open a Spotify account, find all the hymns that you like, put it in a list, and just let that be your go-to. And some of you, a little bit more gospel. Some of you, a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, kind of pop Christian culture music or whatever. But find what speaks to you and literally create a playlist on a Spotify account or, you know, if you've got, uh, you know, Apple Music, whatever that was. I remember them back in the day. Anyway, something like that. And just have worship music that you can go to. In fact, you've done a great job, and our worship team's done a great job of creating a Spotify list for us. You want to explain that a little bit? Yeah, we're going to throw uh, a QR code up. If you have your phone, you can scan that. Um, we keep an up-to-date list of about uh, 50 or 60 songs. And a lot of them, some of them we don't do as much, but a lot of them are the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. And so this is a great opportunity if you're, if you're uh, uh, trying to find new music or just want to know the music that we do on a Sunday morning a little bit better, uh, grab that list, follow it, and, you know, put it on yeah, shuffle. And some, and some of the other men and women around the nations that we draw strength from yes. in their worship. And so a multiracial, multigenerational uh, playlist is what you'll find there. And, uh, yeah, so I want you to speak to, because I always feel this way when we, when we get in these moments, that that uh, men and women in our congregation are like, well, that's easy for you guys to say you're on staff at a church. Like, you know, I do construction all day long. Yeah. And so how, you, how am I going to do that? How am I going to worship like that? I want you to speak to that for a little bit because you've only been, if you will, on staff with us full time for a few years. Mm-hmm. But you've been our worship pastor from the very beginning. Yeah. And you were working jobs and being our worship pastor. But just explain how you learn to worship even in the midst, yeah. Yeah, and you know, every situation is going to be different. There's not always going to be moments where you can sit in your office cubicle if you work with other people and have your earbuds in the whole time, Uh, but maybe something playing softly in the background just as background music. I used to install uh, doors for Home Depot, so if you go into Home Depot and say, I want a door, I was the guy who came to your house and installed a new door, and so um, I worked by myself, which was great. I would usually be on a job site, um, I don't know, two hours, three hours, and it was the perfect time just to put in some earbuds, play some worship music, uh, play the audio Bible, listen to a podcast or whatever, and, and, and feed my soul and feed my spirit as I'm working. Um, and I, it was a marked difference. Sometimes I would listen to, uh, you know, some secular music or in, like a sports podcast or something like that. Um, and that's and when the, the job would fall apart, tell the truth. Amen. And I've, yeah, that's when the job would fall apart. No, uh, it, it, it's a marked difference from when I would engage with the Holy Spirit and engage and, and, and really just as the background music of, of my existence in that moment, um, engage with the Lord. And so, 
you can do it. You can do it. It may not look perfectly the way you want it to. It may not be, you may not be able to engage 100%, but you can make uh, worship and worship music and worship culture a part of your, a part of your everyday life. I, you know, and I want to really hit home this concept um, about the power of you engaging with God through worship. 84% of Americans are affected right now with stress. 84 Americans are saying, I live in a stressful environment. I'm a little overwhelmed at times. And I just need you to understand that worship is medicinal. I'm telling you, it is medicinal. You begin to worship your God and all that stress, I, don't, I, can't, I can't tell you practically how it happens. I just know supernaturally when we put our attention and our affection on the Lord, um, that what happens is all of those things that seem so big, um, they just kind of dissipate. They lose their power. And so if I were in a situation at a job where I felt like everyone was trying to get me fired, I would be constantly with my earbuds in, worship playing through my head as I'm doing my job. I would engage with the Lord in some type of in, uh, worship engagement, whatever I'm allowed to uh, in the type of work that I do. Um, and I promise you, you will find the medicinal effects of engaging with God through worship. Uh, you know, uh, we were looking at something recently, in a recent uh, newer, uh, uh, neuroscience study proved that gratitude and anxiety cannot exist in the brain at the same time. Wow. 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 And so anxiety has to go when you begin to be grateful to the Lord. And in the middle of the day, you just throw up those hands and you do a yada praise and you just say, God, you're good no matter what. Anxiety literally cannot exist in the brain while gratitude is being pushed forward. So I would teach you push forward gratitude, and that anxiety will simply uh, leave. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 has been a passage for me to help people understand the medicinal power of worship. Look what it says. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Now, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the same thing that we're dealing with in our culture, that people, when they're stressed, when they're full of anxiety, when they're worried, that we, we look for ways to medicate, if you will. Uh, some smoke weed, some drink alcohol, some, you know, overly work out, whatever the case may be, we're always looking to, if you will, diffuse the pressure of life. And so Paul's dealing with that with the early church, and he says, listen, don't be drunk with wine. That's only leading to debauchery. And then he says, but instead, be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. Literally filled. And then, he, and then he continues on in this line of thinking. And so the Holy Scripture gives us this and says, so speak to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs sing and make music in your heart to the lord always giving thanks to god the father for everything in the name of the lord jesus he literally was teaching them if you're you don't have to medicate the way the world medicates you can be filled with the spirit and the way that that engagement happens as you just begin to sing back and forth to one another as you just begin come forth with psalms and spiritual gifts and and these kind of radical moments of just like from my heart i will praise him even even in the in the midst of other people that i'm working with and hanging out with and uh and you know you really had a great testimony about this you went through kind of a dark season um uh with you know as a worship leader as a young minister uh, with alcohol trying to medicate can you share that story just a little bit yeah um i had just graduated bible college and um um and i just i just found myself really medicating with alcohol <laughs> i was i would have a beer every once in a while and one uh led to another which led to another which 
which began to be sort of a, a slippery slope, and um, and I and I had to really cut those things out of my life because I was medicating. It reminds me as well. Um, a number of years later, we were doing uh, a 21-day fast, um, and I chose in that moment to do to fast um, all media. So anything that was not work-related, so like work emails and things at work, um, I, and and not directly glorifying God. So like a sermon or like a like a like a you know like a Christian leadership podcast or something like that. Um, I cut it out. And I found myself... So you're saying everything but that. Everything but that, right. So everything but that I cut out. And so I cut out watching YouTube. I cut out binge-watching whatever, movies the whole night, just for 21 days. And it was amazing. I I had this realization that uh, of how much I would go to this screen whenever I needed a break. And like, like habitual. Like I would find myself stressed out and all of a sudden... Just without even without even yeah. thinking about it, I'd go to grab my phone, and I'm like, "Wait, what am I doing?" It had become so habitual and so medicinal in that moment, and so, uh, you know, obviously, yes, do not be drunk on wine, but also, man, what are you medicating with? Yes. What are you going to? Are you going to social media? Are you going to yeah, that yeah. Uh, to that well every Porn. single time? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, changing that and changing that perspective to, all right, I'm going to go to worship. I'm going to go to the throne of the Father, and I'm going to make that a habitual thing. Um, is so powerful. Yeah, and and hard to do initially with your flesh being so addicted to this little Absolutely. And to, like, cut that off and to say, no, I'm going to find a better route. It's like a detox. It's like a mental detox. It's it's difficult. That first couple days are really difficult. Well, when Paul is talking about this with songs and hymns, speaking to one another, singing to one another, and making music in your heart, we actually call that kind of a spontaneous worship piece, right? Yeah. Can you, can you kind of model that for just a second? Sure. Us and show us kind of what that can look like. Yeah, so um, this is just an example, and this looks different for everybody. Obviously, as a musician, um, it's a little easier for me to do. I'm going to go off the, our scripture, um, uh, Psalms uh, 145. Well, now explain that, though. So singing a song that you read, just making up a song to, to, to Holy Scripture, yeah, has such powerful impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so I want everybody to catch that. Not just singing, Lord, I like the ice cream right. today. I mean, that's good, too. <laughs> that's good, too. Ice cream is good. But, but singing the Scripture is something supernatural. Happens. Absolutely. So we'll start, um, yeah, real simple. We'll start with that, that song we sang today. So I throw up my hands. Praise you again and again. So that I have is a hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it's not much. I'm nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah. And going off that scripture, I will exalt you, my king. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and exalt your name forever and ever. So Jesus, I will exalt you. I'll be grateful every day. Forever and ever. I'll be grateful every day. Sing of your love. Sing of your goodness. 
With my whole heart, with my whole heart, yes, I will exalt and glorify you. I will worship you, Jesus. I will worship you, Jesus. Now let the trees oh, out worship me. My God, my King, King of kings, the leader of my life, the ruler of my life. I will worship you. I will worship you forever and ever. And every moment, every season, I'll be grateful. I will worship. Oh, I will worship. So we sing, we throw up our hands, and we praise you again and again. Cause all that all I have is a hallelujah. Grateful to you, Lord. Hallelujah. I know no, it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah. So that's what our small group looks like when we gather for small group um, at, in my home or one of the yeah. other folks' home. We'll just start worshiping, and, uh, and we do have the privilege of having, you know, someone who can play a guitar or a keyboard. And then we'll just, just start just kind of singing from our heart and then joining in with each other. And there is something, it's supernatural that happens. I mean, it's, it's like God enters the room. And... Um, and I think the power of throwing, uh, the power of grabbing Scripture, the truth of Scripture in a moment like that, and saying, okay, I'm going to marry this with, I'm, I'm singing this song, but now I'm going to bring the truth of Scripture. Yeah, I'm going to sing what you've already level. said, yeah. and your word is life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Declaring that. Yeah, so powerful. I, you know, when we, I want you to help us kind of, especially for anyone who's new to us, um, our corporate worship and how we worship. I, I grew up in a, I got saved in a church that was non-instrumental. And uh, acapella only. So, in fact, everything that you guys did today would have been considered satanic yeah. and wicked. And um, so I'm just saying, it's a struggle sometimes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, but there's precedence for playing the instruments and, and just kind of describing a little bit. And really, our corporate worship starts with a set of attitudes. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. And we're asking everyone when they show up at Hill City that the first attitude that they would come with is an attitude of joy. When we come to worship corporately, I've learned over the years, I can walk in with that sour face and just talk about how bad my life has been. I just, just ran over to one of my friends here today, one of the best leaders in our church, and, and he said, yeah, they, they let me go at, from my job Friday. But I actually was, I glanced over his direction during worship, he doesn't know this, and I saw him just smiling and singing to God. And he didn't bring the attitude of it's not fair and life has been unfair to me. He walked into God's presence with an attitude of, Lord, you're good even when life isn't. Yeah. An attitude of, wow. of, of gratitude, an attitude of joy. And, and Psalms 100 qualifies that. Verse 1 and 2 says, shout for, the Lord, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Jesus. Worship the Lord with gladness. Mm. God's telling us to do that knowing that there may not be gladness in our life. Knowing that there may not be joy in our life right now, but to declare it forward and come with that attitude, come before him with joyful songs. Come before, don't, have you ever, do you have that, uh, Saturday Night Live used to do this old skit, sketch called Debbie Downer. I don't know if y'all remember her. And everybody, hey, in good, everything going good today? Well, actually, 
I just had a brain aneurysm. Womp, womp, womp. It was this Debbie Downer skit. It was hilarious. And I don't know about you, but I have friends that every time I get around them, all they want to talk about is how bad life is. So guess what I do? I do it naturally. I don't even know I'm doing it. I avoid them. I do. I don't even know I'm doing it. I'll be standing there, and they start, bleh, they just start throwing up. And, uh, you know, I call it throwing up on you. And they just start throwing up. And I don't even know this. I start walking away. I just do it naturally at this stage in my life. You know, I've got, I've got enough years. I can do what I want. You know, it's that kind of attitude. And uh, I, what about the Lord? I mean, we come into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords presence. And all we want to do, we can come with joy and gratitude. Listen, as much as you had negative going on in your life, there's so many billions of things that have been positive that God has been doing for you and is working on your behalf. And I, and I highly suggest that you find that space. And that's an attitude of corporate worship at Hill City. Yeah. It's one of our key attitudes. Brings us to our second attitude. I want you to share on that one a little bit. Can I mirror that real quick, yeah. though? The, 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 there's a flip side, too, of, you know, you, you have those negative people. And then you know those people that's like, how are you happy? Yeah. I think about Brad Stroop. Yeah. Brad Stroop is one of our friends, and he has given his life to ministry and laid down money, laid down Everything. fame. And I'm looking at that dude like, how are you happy? Yeah. And the joy of the Lord is on him because he chooses it. Yeah, it's so good. It's powerful. So good. Yeah. Just think about that. Um, the next attitude is attitude of expectancy. Um, we believe when we sing about miracles and God touching our lives and healing our bodies and, 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 and providing for us and protecting our families, those aren't just words. We believe that he can do it. We don't believe in this church that the miracles that happened in the New Testament are over and yeah. gone. We believe that they are here for us today. And so expectancy is so important. It's a faith issue, really. It really is. It's a faith issue. When, yeah. I, come to, when I come into church and say, hey, I lost my job, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Bills are coming up next month whether I have a job or not. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm going to expect to have an experience with you, to meet with you, God, and expect that you're going to provide. Yeah, I mean, it's think important. about that. Can you imagine, uh, can you imagine going to, all of us had that grandmama, that always love this more than all the other grandkids Ooh. or somebody in your family. Can you imagine going to their house at Christmas and not expecting to get something? Mm. When you come into God's presence, you need to expect to get something. Yeah. He's going to do something. He's yeah. gonna, maybe he uses you to do something. Yeah. I mean, for me, I show up every Sunday expecting, because uh, I, I have two key life scriptures. I, I, my first life scripture, Ephesians 1.4, before the foundations of the earth, he picked us he chose us, so you're not an accident. I don't care if your mom was raped. You, God got you here for such a time as this. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. So it speaks to identity. And the second one speaks to purpose, and that is Romans 1.11, where Paul says, I can't wait to be with you that I may invest or share some spiritual gift with you. Jesus. And so when I come to the house of God on Sundays or anytime we gather, I expect to give something away. So I prepare myself, not just because I'm the pastor, but I prepare myself to give something. So when I'm out in public and when I'm out in the grocery store, I'm looking to give something away, yeah. like the Apostle Paul said, because I'm filled with the spirit of the living God who raised Christ from the dead, dwells in me. Yeah. So you should come in expecting, when we have corporate worship, I'm expecting God to do something. I'm expecting to do something in my life. I'm expecting to do it in the life of a friend. I'm expecting, amen. Which brings us to the kind of the third attitude 
of corporate worship here at Hill City that I really want you to grasp a hold to and know you're going to get that from us. If you don't like that, you're eventually going to hate our church. But we, we have an, ex, uh, an attitude of authenticity. Authenticity. So that almost sounds a little different than the first one where we have an attitude of joy. Well, I'm just being real right now. I hate my life. Uh, I, okay, so no, no, no. We're not talking about using difficulty to, for a gripe fest. We're talking about being authentic in that, you know what? I may not have it all figured out, but he's good. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to be real with who I am. We've all experienced or seen um, churches or um, ministries that we felt like were fake, were plastic, were performance-based. And um, I've been in mega ministry my whole life since I was 19 years old. I've been on staff at, in mega ministry. And I want you to know, no mega ministry starts off being so professional that they lose authenticity. They all start with a desire to just touch God and be with the Lord and touch the world. But what happens is over time, if we're not careful, as a guard, we put up walls between ourselves and between God because we're scared of getting hurt if we open up and are real. Listen, there should be tears in corporate worship. There should be hallelujahs that everybody's going, why are you screaming like that? There should be dances that you are spinning and acting a fool and everyone's looking at you like, what is going on with her? And Frank, can I just say this something? I want to tell you this too. I want to be your pastor for a moment. Uh, I heard, you know, some time back that one of our members were worshiping with all they had and people began to criticize them behind closed doors and say, look at them, they're uh, doing this, and they weren't dressed appropriately to act that way, and da-da-da-da. I want you to know, I will cut you. Get them. Get them. Get them. Let, let me tell you something. We don't do that here. Uh, w- listen, you don't judge someone's journey. You hear me? You don't judge someone's journey, and you don't criticize when people are going through something and overcoming something and living out their life the best they can. We can help a brother or sister that maybe, you know, you know, don't realize that they, uh, like, hey, you know, uh, bro, all the, all the ladies are having a hard time with you with them skinny jeans on up on the stage, all right? So you might need, or hey, sister, you might need to cover that up a little bit more because you're affecting some of the brothers. We can do that to encourage each other, but we're not going to criticize and stand in judgment and wound people as they're just trying to go after their Jesus. Somebody ought to shout amen because that's just good pastor. That's not this church. Find it somewhere else. Everybody journeying. We're all on a journey. We're all figuring it out. And don't you judge my journey, and I won't judge your journey. Amen? That's so good. So, and so, but come, and let's be, this should be a safe place to be authentic, and we're constantly fighting for that. So when you create judgment and criticism, it, it then pushes away authenticity. So people can't be authentic because they feel shamed or judged by others, and that's not going to happen here. Amen? That's part of our culture. Amen? So that's part of our culture. Uh, and, and speaking of that, really, well, I'm really excited because, Pastor Lance, you uh, a year ago said, hey, um, let's really engage in extra worship and do some nights of worship. And, uh, and I challenged you because you were going to just call it a night of worship. We called it nights of worship in the past. And I said, Pastor Lance, why are you calling it a night of worship? Well, just, you know, night of worship, that's what other churches do. I said, uh-uh, what's in you? What's in you, bro? He goes, what do you mean? I said, you're our worship pastor. What is God saying? I don't need to go spend time on a Friday night singing with other people. What is God telling us to do? Why are we coming together? And he said, uh, well, let me pray on it. He came back a week or so later. He goes, Pastor, I hear from the Lord that if we'll come together and worship, he'll reset some things in our life. 
some things that have gotten off a kilter, some things that have gotten broken. He'll reset. He'll control all delete where all these things have been running on the hard drive and slowing down the movement of God in our lives. He'll reset us into a sweetness in his presence. I said, that's the word of the Lord. So, so, so Pastor Lance has organized that to be like quarterly. Well, this past, um, we, have, we always put it on the calendar. We try to do all that a year in advance so you can plan your life around it. Well, I came to you two weeks ago because reset was planned for um, this coming Friday night uh, here in the air condition, on a Friday, in a nice sweet place where you're comfortable, where you come to church. And I said, man, I got a word from the Lord, I think. I said, I feel like we're supposed to go leap. We're supposed to go worship out in the community because our community has been through two years of hell. And I think we're just supposed to clear the atmosphere and just let it literally reset Cedar Hill and reset this county in worship in sovereign you know, holiness before the Lord. And Pastor Lance was like, oh, that's gonna scare the worship team because that means we gotta get sound systems. And I was like, well, pray about it. He came back and said, it's God, we're gonna do it. And so this Friday night, right across from Sam's Pizza, downtown Cedar Hill, in our little downtown area, we're just gonna get out there in the, in the heat. Yeah. Come on, somebody, yeah. sweating. With, uh, with a little portable sound system, we're going to worship God, and we're going to reset the atmosphere in this city and in this county. So if you'll come out with us, you know, get home from work, you know, whatever you're doing, and rush out with us, you can eat pizza before or after, or babe's chicken, whichever one, but we're going to worship God together and break some things out of this, out of this city and reset this place as a city that belongs to the Lord. Amen? So Amen. challenge you to come with us. Now, back to corporate worship. So we do, there's an attitude that we ask everyone to walk in. We've shared those. And then there's some actions that we really, um, that we really value in our, in our corporate worship. And the first one that we value is the lifting of the hands. Yeah. Speak to that a little bit, lifting of our hands. Yeah, I, I think of it, um, if you think historically, when, uh, when folks used to, you know, when they would fight and defend themselves with like a sword or a bow and arrow or something, um, and even in biblical times, you think about this is the thought process as they wrote things about lifting their hands. It's a sign of surrender, first and foremost. When I lift my hands in that context, yeah. I am exposing all of the vital parts of my body so to whoever I'm in front of. You know, do what you will. So, uh, so when we lift our hands, it is a sign that says, God, I'm not in control. You are in control. I let you in fully. I expose my life to you. Yeah. I give you my whole heart. I give you my whole life. And um, that's the picture that I yeah, get. You know, when I and when it. I went, when I transitioned from a church that was non-instrumental, it was also non-lifting of hands. Yeah. And I came to a church like your church with all you weird people throwing your hands up in the air, yeah. dancing around and stuff. It was awkward for me. It's like the one Christian comedian said, it looked like shovels, <laughs> like just up in the air, you know. And, uh, but then according to Psalms 134.2, Lift up your hands yeah. in the yeah. sanctuary and praise the Lord. Yeah. So it's not like uh, they were doing something wrong. It's that I did not have a revelation of God's expectation when we came together what that should look like. And so that's a value for us because it's in the scripture. Another piece that we do that's real important um, to us and, and why we do it is because, again, it's in the scripture. Is we actually stand up during worship. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, I had uh, a friend tell me, that they were surprised that the uh, governor came through their office one time uh, at where they were at, and they were all working at their desk, and the governor came through, and no one even prompted. They all just stood up because a dignitary. Yeah. 
uh, or if the president had come in the room, you know, they would all just naturally stand up as a show of honor. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I train my children. And when I come home from work you're not, and I walk in the room, you're not going to lay on the couch flipping through the channels. Yeah. You're going to stand up and greet me and, and say, because I pay for that couch. <laughs> and I pay for that TV. Yeah. <laughs> so, and so I've trained our staff. If anyone comes in the room and you're working on something, you get up out of your seat and you show enough honor to go and hug them and say, oh, man, it's so good to see shake their hand. And that's what we're, we've lost with a generation, by the way. And so you talk about a disrespect because no one's trained them to show respect. But literally, we should stand up. Nehemiah 9 and 5, stand up and praise the Lord your God who is from everlasting to everlasting. Give them that passage. I want them to see it. Nehemiah 9 and 5, stand up. And praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. So, listen, if you've got a physical ailment, we do not shame you for not being able to stand up during worship. Or when Pastor Lance wants to worship for six hours, and you like, dude, my my ankles, my knees, they're done. Beautiful, sit down. But the point is, is that we show reverence in standing. And that's worship should have that element of, God, you're in the room, and we reverence you to stand before the Lord. You got to understand, as a minister... I stand in worship. Uh, we, we drop down to two services and combine some things, but I would do three services on a Sunday. And you'll see me. I'm on the front row worshiping Jesus. I'm standing then. I'm standing when we're connecting, and I'm standing when I'm preaching. And let me tell you something. If my little short, fat self can do it, I promise you, you can stand in worship for a few minutes. Amen? Come on, somebody. And I would do that three services. So I trust that you can stand in the presence. And you do. I, I'm, not, I'm not shaming you. I'm just simply saying why we do it is because it's in Scripture. And, the va- and I'm trying to help you understand the value. The other thing that we do is, uh, is that we all sing out. Yeah. You say, I just don't sound good, Pastor. I just don't. I'm just telling you, sitting there, and I did this for years. I would just sit there like this. Until I came across Psalms 98 and 4. Make a joyful noise unto yeah. the Lord. Yeah. This, ain't for, this ain't for the person standing next to you. This ain't, this ain't for, li- listen, the best thing you can do if you sound like a frog is sound like a frog for Jesus. I mean, the best thing you can ever do. Lord, I'm going to sing it to you. And even though it's, and I love, and love how the old preachers used to say it. He didn't say sing good. He said make a joyful noise. Keyword, noise. Noise. Oh, I just sound terrible. It's a joyful noise. Go ahead and give it to him. It's your gift. And I love that song we sang today. I don't have anything worthy of a king to give you, except my praise. Like, I'm giving you what I am. I'm embarrassing myself, and I don't care because you're worthy of every aspect of it. So I would challenge you. You say, I just, you know, under my breath, I I, I, kind of mouth the words and things like that. I would highly encourage you to hear yourself sing out a little bit because it is a sacrifice of praise. It is a beautiful to God when you make a, Joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. That's what it says to us to do. So, so the way we worship may not be the way you grew up, may not be what you've experienced in the past, but it's all scripturally based. So we're just doing what the Bible told us to do. And there are these elements that we bring forward um, into our time of corporate worship, and they come straight out of scripture, which brings me to the last one, and that is that we all uh, engage Jesus together. Um, I went to a church a couple years ago, and they all sat down, and their culture was the worship team literally 
was a concert. And they played songs for them. And if they liked it, at the end of each song, they kind of clapped. And the worship team had become a performance. They didn't even know it. In fact, I've, I'm always on our worship team because present-day worship songs all have these big intros. Play it. Get and we're it. all standing there. And then someone, and then someone will start singing. And then they close it out with. And then the worship leader takes his capo and he moves it on his guitar. And we're all standing there. And he moves it around and gives a nod to the guy. And then the guy goes, okay. And they do it all over again, song to song to song. And I told our worship team, if you do that, I'm going to fire all of you and burn the house down. I told them, it's like, have you ever been on a phone call with someone? And in the middle of talking to them, they start talking to someone else? And you're like, hey, we're in a conversation. And they just cut out because they're talking to somebody else. Because yeah. they, you know, they're at work or they're walking through the parking lot or something. And they start talking to someone, And just cut you out. Don't even tell you. And I told them, that's what you do to us when you stop worship and you start doing, like, like keep the flow going. Right. Uh, just keep me in it. I'm in conversation with Jesus. And then you stopped all of a sudden and, 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 and started repositioning yourself. So, so our team, it's, and that's hard to do with present day worship. But they have found the way to keep us in the flow so that we all stay engaged with Jesus and I want you to speak to how important it's been for us as a as a church to have worship members um, um, that aren't performers and what you've done and how we've gone about that process well you laid it out beautifully I mean again we live in a city full of musicians there's four million people in this city and there's better singers than me and there's better musicians I tell our Worship team all the time. Guys, if we're trying to go out there and perform, none of why are we up here? Let's hire the best musicians, have a nice little show, and we can all enjoy it. Yeah. And that's not what we're doing. We are engaging, and every person on this stage, every person that we train as a worship leader, as a musician, as a singer, we look them in the eyes and say, you are a leader. You are not just playing your part behind us you are engaged in leading with us and um it's just it's it's so important to stay engaged it's so important um because again we could make a nice little show and a nice little concert all day long but at the end of the day uh, if we're not all engaged and we're not creating an atmosphere where we can meet with jesus then it's all for naught because it's about him and i really want you to help remind everybody some people haven't been with us long so they don't know this when we started this church, the popular ideology around the Metroplex was to hire musicians yeah. to lead worship. Yeah. And when you're starting a church and people are new and fresh, um, they, they, they really, a lot of times they suck, you know, leading and playing instruments. And so the early days of Hill City was really bad worship <laughs> in that, you know, and, and poor Lance would be like, in fact, I've, I, at times <laughs> we have this joke around the office because there was a particular time where the drummer was off so bad, and Lance was like, and, and he just, blah, he just kept on, and finally Lance starts going, stop, stop, and we're all dying laughing on the front row, because he is like all, but like shouting across the, the stage. I believe the motion was this. Yeah, it was, was, it was and so we, we, yeah, we began to call you the albatross, yeah, <laughs> that's right, and, 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 but one of the things that we determined early on is that those leading us in worship it's their gift and their calling. It's not their profession. Yeah. 
If it's their profession as well, that's beautiful. But when they're with us, um, we want them to use their gift to touch heaven. Yeah. We want them to use their gift yeah. to lead us into his presence. Yeah. And so what we decided to do from the very beginning is not pay musicians. Pastor Lance is on staff, so he gets paid. But we don't pay our musicians. So when you see them here at 6.30 in the morning, and you see them uh, you know, up here you know, middle of the week practicing, they do that for Jesus yeah. and for you. Yeah. They're not getting paid. Yeah. And, the, and so when we first started, we, had to, we, we could not hire musicians that could go with Pastor Lance and keep that pace. We literally had members of the church who were like, I can, I can play a keyboard a little bit. You're hired. You know, like, yes. And then the other thing, too, is because they're on the stage, you need to know this with our value system. Because they're on the stage, they're elevated. They look down at you from where they're... And anyone who touches our stage and, and stands elevated, we have a higher expectation of how they live with the Lord. And so they've all committed not to not drink. They've all committed um, not to go play in clubs. Um, because a lot of, in the Metroplex especially, uh, there's a lot of, you can read some of these articles about all these guys that they'll go play in the clubs on the weekends and then come play in the church on Sunday. And it's just another gig. They'll tell you, they'll, they, there's, there was this whole, this whole, uh, article that came out a couple years ago, uh, two years ago, and I sent it to Pastor Lance, where they interviewed all of these musicians that were playing at these mega churches, and asking them, you know, so you, you're a professional musician, and they hired you to play at the church, right? Yeah. And that one after one, they said, I don't even really believe in God. I just, it's just a good gig. They give me $400 a session. I, I, didn't, I don't even know what the pastor's talking about. I don't believe it. I just go, one guy was like, I was so loaded, um, you know, one Sunday that I played high as a kite and, uh, and they didn't even notice. Ha, 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 ha. One guy said, I got so drunk the night before that I, I passed out in my car and I got locked in a security garage, in a garage and never made it to the Sunday morning service. So, you know, so I got docked, my pay got docked. We determined that the people, they may not be the most gifted yet, but they're going to get there. They're gonna, we're going to help them develop their yeah. gift. But they're, yeah. the people that stand up here, they made commitments to love Jesus with all of their heart and to love you with all of their heart. And so careful, you know, even when you're like, wow, that one's not that good. They're in training. They're in development. And, but their heart is right, and that's what we do. That's kind of what we go after. And, and then every now and then there's someone who's already extremely gifted, and, uh, and, and, and God will send them to us. And we're like, wow, wow, like, thank you, God. But I just needed you to know that. So here's what I want to do. I want to close out this time together, and I want to engage for just a few more minutes in worship. Based on some of the things that we shared today, I, want you to, I wanted you to know that some of the reasons behind why. And then when we do that for a few minutes, then we're going to move in and closing out our worship series by taking communion together. Can we do that? Would you stand with me across the room? And as we kind of come into his presence in praise and worship and kind of solidify this three-part series on made to worship, I want you just to hold the truth with me that you were made to worship. You were made for this. You were made to exalt the Lord on this planet. The Bible actually talks about one of the key things that will happen with those who don't love God and don't really believe in God is that they will, they will be inspired. In fact, Paul said provoke, they will be provoked to jealousy when they see how great of a relationship we have with God. So dead religion can judge and criticize your worship until they look up and go, wait a minute, you know God and you see miracles in your life. And the Bible says, Paul said, that will provoke them to jealousy. They'll want what you have. 
And so that's why it's critical as your pastor that I keep teaching you how to worship, how to engage with your God, reminding you that you were made for this, that it's not just a Sunday gathering and singing some songs. And I've been praying for you that in the middle of the day, you will just all of a sudden throw up your hands and start declaring his goodness, that you would begin to kind of pause some of those old podcasts that you've been listening to that's been frustrating you, and you didn't even realize it, and start putting on some worship in the middle of your day and start worshiping him. And as you drive your truck or your car to work, take that time talking to your God, engaging in worship. And so with what we've learned again today, some of the practical pieces, not only personal, but also corporately about lifting our hands, about standing, about worshiping together, about declaring his goodness out of our own mouth, singing to him, even though it may not sound good, but making a joyful noise. Can we now put that into play for the next four or five minutes and let us just worship our God together. Can we do that? Come on, let's go. Go ahead, team. Lead us in. I'm going to start with this song. It's real simple. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Sing how great is our God, how great is our God. Oh, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our it's real simple. Come on, let's sing it again. How great is our God? How great is our God? Oh, and sing with me. How great is our God? Oh, we'll see and oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. We join with heaven and earth and we sing how great is our God. How great is our God, oh, sing with me, how great is our God, and oh, see how great, how great is our God, oh, come on, my son, oh, don't you get shy on me, up your sword that you got a lion inside of those lungs get up and praise the Lord so come on yeah come on my soul oh don't you get shy on me and up your song that you got a Get 
take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today, and I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond, and again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey with Jesus. Don't forget, next week we are here again, same place, same time, 9 o'clock and 11. And until then, we hope you have an amazing week.